Grace and peace be multiplied unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Now we had a couple of young ones here today and I don't know if they really do this in elementary or junior high school yet, but do you remember the days of having a school pep rally? All right, now I went to a really big school, all right, a couple thousand people, and they knew how to put it together, let's just say it that way. But you know how it goes, they usually had something tied to the sports, and I wasn't really big of sports person, I got bumped out of basketball as early as seventh grade, so that, that was the end of my career. But nonetheless, that's what they're usually tied to. Students were to sit up in the bleachers, right? The band and the cheerleaders had their routine to perform. A beloved principal, maybe a favorite teacher, or of course the coach, would introduce the players. And maybe there was an impressive drills out on the floor that were done, or a special speaker that was invited. And, and certainly you had to look for the school mascot, what kind of antics they'd do against the opposing team. The pep rally seeks to embody, as you know, school spirit and give support for the, the sport team, most likely. Now the origins, to go look it up really quick, but the origins seem to go back to the early 20th century. And it makes it maybe a little over 100 years old, this kind of way of a pep rally. That can be fun, but I remember this one distinct thing as a student, that they were mandatory. So it was a mandatory fun in terms of you had to go. You couldn't just not go to class. And of course, that's the one thing I do remember is that when you had pep rally days, you knew that the, the, the courses of the day were gonna be shorter. Now, Jesus taught throughout his ministry. There's no question about that. He was always teaching along with his preaching. But the Sermon on the Mount, which you usually hear during uh, you know, All Saints Sunday, but it's set apart for this year's series, but that Sermon on the Mount is a massive event, several chapters in the book of Matthew. And it's the kind of scene that goes with us to the rest of the Epiphany season. So you're gonna have to pay attention today to understand anything in the next couple of Sundays or you'll get off course. Jesus' impact among the Gentiles, you must remember, was hardly small. He went up on a mountain to teach, and it was not going to be a pep rally. If, there were, if that were going to be the case, maybe you would look to that kind of an excitement that maybe would happen on Palm Sunday, would be the closest we could get to. But instead, St. Matthew gives a clear picture to us, though, what's going on between the crowd and then the disciples that drew close to Jesus. It's the kind of distinction, if you pay attention to the bulletin cover today, you'll see it. The bulletin cover has some people standing with halos around their heads, and they're listening to Jesus. All the rest of the crowd that was the others, as you notice in the picture, are kind of distracted. One guy's got his head in his on his lap trying to think about it, trying to figure out what does Jesus say? But that is kind of a good image that St. Matthew gives about the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus loved them all, crowd and the disciples. But right up front, the goodness of God became manifest. 
Since by our weakness we cannot stand, Jesus speaks us blessed by his strength and protection. And so blessed words by Jesus speak in greater ways than man can see. What stands out, if you count them really quick, is nine times that everyone would hear about being blessed. If you couldn't catch the sermon in the beginning, all you had to hear is blessed, 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 blessed. And of course, that word alone would trigger, I like to use that word today, right? But that word alone would let the crowd remember and celebrate the healing miracles Jesus already had done. And it's common also in the physical world for us to recognize how blessed we or another person might be. And what a blessing when a husband or a wife expect a child. When the church has someone join into its membership. When a debt can be paid off. Or when medical arts do bring healing. It's always good to recognize blessings. That's why we have those times, we have a nation that we even set apart as a nation still. We'll thank God for that. But we know as Christians, it's especially important to turn and bless God, which is to give him thanks and praise. However, and this is the catch, blessedness over worldly good can leave us in distress. When we only go that way, we're in trouble. We're going to be left like Job and all his losses. Or that emptiness felt by Sarah when she was barren for so many years. We also know some in this world, and we are at the top of the mountain when it comes to uh, rights and blessings as a nation. But we know some in this world will never experience any kind of health, wealth, and yes, even happiness. So Jesus uses the word blessed, and it gives a better way that embraces God's love for anybody in the world, not just for us in America and how blessed we already are. The Beatitudes speak blessedness that is strange to hear in this world but it flows out of those who had heard the gospel. Remember, last week, you already heard, Jesus came, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's very near. And it's how Jesus entered his Galilean ministry. That was the tone. And so his Sermon on the Mount is not before strong and successful people those who were really blessed as we would see it. But they were Gentile sinners, filthy. And those who were frankly nothing to the world. They didn't contribute much, many of them who were crippled, lame, blind, and all that other kind of stuff. Man struggles, as we all personally know, having and keeping physical blessedness. While Jesus speaks a blessed status, of grace given by God, yes, for all people. So unlike Moses, delivering the law from Mount Sinai to God's special people, Israel, 
Jesus on this mountain truly is God, giving a sermon for us in a world that would deny his grace. Because many people would wonder about how is God so good or just, even to me. When Jesus says, blessed, it's more like saying, saved. Which means the least and left out truly are seen by God. You are not out of the picture. Not a single one in this whole world. No matter how bad the scene. Jesus comes right out with it. Blessed are you. Now, blessed strength and protection belong then to a kingdom of heaven. Having another kingdom makes us look at the boundaries or the bookends of the Beatitudes. We can't take it all together today. You'll get lost in the details. So we'll look at two, the beginning and the end. Jesus begins by speaking first of the poor in spirit. A reality that despite worldly situations and being blessed or not so much in life, all are beggars before God. This relates to the vertical relationship that we talk about as Lutherans with God and his way of forgiveness and healing that comes alone by the gospel. There's no other way to fix it. It's only going to come as God has reconciled us to us in Jesus. The poor in spirit are the ones who feel that poverty. No matter how you look, your age, your, your, your uh, status, no matter your privileges, no matter what, it's that poor in spirit, that poverty of the heart that Jesus is talking about before God. The other bookend or the boundary is how Jesus finishes the Beatitudes. He ends addressing those persecuted for righteousness' sake, a suffering by disciples before the kingdoms of men. And it comes in all shapes and sizes, right? But it's not always looking the same based upon times and circumstances. This relates to the horizontal relationship of doctrine and life before a world pressing against the good news given by Christ. And let me tell you, as a Minnesota pastor for 14 years, the good news has pressed against the ethic of abortion that now Minnesota is going to have signed a law by the governor. I pray that that person does not do that. But they have passed in the Senate and the House the right to kill abortion, a baby up to the birth of the child, which is the most extreme case now in this whole country. That's that pressing against the kingdom of God that we live in today, both in life but also in doctrine. So, strength and protection for the poor in spirit and those persecuted for righteousness, they share a united promise. Did you get that? Jesus said it the same way at the beginning and the end. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's not a future. All the rest of them are about future. But those two points today, theirs is, right now, the kingdom of heaven. Those who need a Savior because I am a sinner. No matter how it looks to you or how it looks to the world or what the world wants to say, but the poverty of my own heart before God and also the sufferings that have fallen upon my life because of that faith in God. 
to have love to him and my neighbor. It is this hope that Luther teaches us to pray for in the Lord's Prayer. Every time you say, thy kingdom come, you're asking for a different kingdom that is not the kind of one we understand purely as Americans. Luther writes, God's kingdom comes in the catechism when our Heavenly Father gives us His Holy Spirit so that by His grace we believe His Holy Word and lead godly lives. There's the persecution. Here in time and there in eternity. So both God's forgiveness received and a Christ-shin life of love is for the baptized and it comes from another kingdom. So when you see a neighbor today and their worldview and their perceptions, perceptions, many times they are not blessed with that kind of kingdom that you have been welcomed through through your baptism and blessed again to hear that good word of forgiveness before your life. So blessed are you for Christ has made the weak Stand on God's faithfulness. Strength comes from a mountain, we know, where Jesus made himself the poorest of men in the poverty of his spirit. So there is always a richness resting on him. St. Paul directed the Corinthian church away from the worldly glory and fears to God's gift of grace that was at work in that church. And he writes, and because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So whether resources or lack of of what resources may be, good times and bad times, Jesus calls any blessed to receive God's faithful service of love that comes to us out of the cross. There's no better comfort and no better need. And so that's the strength of the church, Christ crucified. But also protection reigns from Jesus. Since those persecuted for righteousness sake are to see how God has put to shame the darkness, it will not be on your standards or how you will feel that experience. Okay? By word and sacrament, faithfulness has risen to rejoice and be glad for Christ steps into the present sufferings. That's the light of the world. That is the light for, you're worried about how things are working out for your life? Tell that to others in the world who really are suffering for the name of Jesus or for that sinner who really everybody sees so plainly that needs Jesus. We're always so concerned about self-defense. And I learned martial arts, and certainly you can own guns. We're talking about this reality. What it is, is we're so concerned about defending ourselves. And yet Jesus provides for his saints throughout the world, not just America. Throughout the world, Jesus is protecting his saints. So you know what? They can't even lock the doors in some of the Lutheran churches in Africa because the only place they worship is under a pavilion. And what are pavilions? But places that have a roof, but no walls. But Jesus gives protection 
and his peace to his people. To remain steadfast has its own reward. It's a promise. This is more than going to heaven. There is a reward to remain steadfast like a soldier holding a line. You dare not lose it. And yet we know soldiers do retreat. Soldiers do die holding the line. And so against the distress, Christ always renders the better service to his church. The Sermon on the Mount has lots of teaching. You better be ready for it in the next couple of weeks and what it means to be a disciple of Christ. A pep rally today, as I remember them, is a short-lived glory. But Jesus knows our weakness cannot stand on such worldly ways. Instead, the Lord, who is our Savior, seeks first for us to rely on what he speaks up front. How blessed are you today, at this very moment, and with life everlasting for you by his strength and protection. Amen. The peace of God that passes all understanding be with your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting in his holy name. Amen.